The Start On Demand. On demand. We had a ton of fun talking about music today, specifically with the question, what was the first concert you ever went to and which concert would you like to go to once we can actually go to concerts again? Also on the subject of music, because we're missing music, live music, Stacey Natris Brown, who is the Winnipeg Jets anthem singer, who also happens to be a choral teacher at Garden City Collegiate. She talks to us about how do you keep student spirits up when singing and musical instruments aren't allowed. We also hear from a frustrated parent in Winnipeg School Division on the ongoing bus strike. You won't believe what he has to say. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, November 18th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, and we want to start. I want to start by asking you, Greg. Aww. Okay, first of all, do you remember <laughs> this from the Adam Sandler special on Netflix, either last year or a couple of years ago? I'm heading out, and all I'm taking with me is my phone wallet keys. Yeah, phone wallet keys. Of course. Well, I have, remember that. Is there? Have you discovered that there's a fourth thing we need to add to that? Phone wallet keys mask. Phone <laughs> wallet keys mask. Yes, I discovered it firsthand. I don't know how. I made it all the way up to the thirtieth floor, and I went, "Oh my god, I don't have my mask." <laughs> And so I put my face in my hoodie and I went to our reception area where we have a box of disposable masks. I put one on. I came into my studio, sequestered from everyone else. And then when I had a moment, I ran back down to my car to get uh, the mask that I had chosen for today. I First time I've done it. I don't oh. know how I did it, but here we are. If that's your first time, that's incredible. I have a sign by the door that says for the kids, EpiPen, mask, water bottle. And, <laughs> and that's, a, that's our list. And it still is so surprising how many times I drove kids to school 10 minutes into the drive Monday. You guys have your mask? <sighs> and then you pull over and you do that dig through the glove compartment because you're sure you've put extras in there. And sure. you just check the console, <laughs> check the front of your backpack. Let's check the trunk. Is there a dirty one on the floor? Which I know you're not supposed to do. I, I'm joking. Turn around, go all the way back home. Yeah. That's phone, wallet, keys, mask. There it is. It's the it's the 2020 rendition. And, of course, uh, Sandler's uh, rendition on that special goes into, I think he eventually what, has about 13 things, Brett, when he decides that maybe he needs to go to Jamaica, then he needs his passport, <laughs> and then you need your iPad, then you need your <laughs> headphones, and you need your book and your sunscreen. And, yeah, it ends up being a long list of stuff that you inevitably need if you're going anywhere further than... The grocery store. Well, I, I, I confess I haven't actually watched the entire special. Jeff so Broncos, the Couch Potatoes, watched it and loved it, but I never got around to watching it. But I guess the other thing for me, too, is Swipe Card. I will say, since uh, we moved yes. downtown, yes. Uh, because when I... When we worked at Polo Park, and I don't know if this was just by because I lived close enough where if I had to drive back home, I could. Technically, I live closer to where we are now, but I take a cab. So if I forget something at home, then I'm in a real world of hurt. But I have not forgotten my swipe card. I have not forgotten my phone or my wallet or anything. But I did the other day forget my swipe card when I went downstairs uh, to step outside for a minute. And I realized as I came back in, I don't have my swipe card. This was just before six o'clock. Thankfully, oh. they'd already unlocked the door. Usually it's right around six o'clock where the security guards <laughs> unlock the main door here at 30 or 201 Portage. But I had to track a security guard down to say, can you let me upstairs? I don't have my oh. swipe card. I miss the days where I'd call you guys around 4.30 and be like, hey, Kelly. Yeah, we, we, we miss it too. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, if anyone wants to come down, let me in. <laughs> so phone, wallet, keys, mask. Swipe card. What else would you add to that list? What are on your essential? Uh, what's on your essential list of things you need to grab before you take off? What about a bottle of Heinz ketchup, Greg? What's going on there? Oh, Heinz ketchup. Kraft Heinz announced that it is um, going to be making ketchup in Canada again. So this is good news. You'll think back. I think it was 2015 when uh, the great ketchup. 
debate uh, started here in our country when uh, Heinz uh, decided that it was going to move its production of their ketchup from southern Ontario to Ohio. And French's became the uh, ketchup of choice for a lot of retailers, for a lot of restaurants. But yesterday, Lorraine, it was announced that Heinz is coming back to Canada in a big way. They are going to be making ketchup in Montreal. And so what's bringing them back? I'm just reading through some of the articles now, and I know that they talked about they can maybe have some more efficiencies in Canada. And, and it's obviously about the bottom line, I would think, at the end of the day. Oh, yes. But is, is, it, is, is it that simple? Well, there's government money involved, <laughs> if you can imagine that. The, uh, the decision follows a joint investment between its Canadian subsidiary and the Quebec government, which will see $17 million invested in the company's Mount Royal facility, the project which includes a $2 million forgivable loan. Why don't they just call it a grant? If it's a forgivable loan, they're not paying it back. Isn't it just a gift? The yeah, the, the why don't we call it a gift? Yes. So that's from the province and its business expansion program. It is expected to create 30 new jobs and help maintain about 750 other existing positions uh, at the uh, already existing plant in Montreal. But it's not all good news. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was the bad news already, the government dollars. No? What else yeah. you got? How about the fact that the tomatoes for this ketchup being made in Montreal will come from the United States for at least two more years? Oh! Yes. That's Did interesting. Did people really turn to French when this whole thing happened? I don't... Did you, Brett? I'm uh, still a Heinz person. I, Actually, I'm whatever's cheapest person, to be honest. Yeah, you are? I don't eat a ton of ketchup, oh. to be honest. Like, if I, The only time I ever eat ketchup at home is if I'm having hot dogs or hamburgers, which mm. is quite frankly, never. Okay. So I, 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 someone once said to me, you don't have any ketchup in your fridge? Because I was making grilled cheese sandwiches. Like, where's your ketchup? Like, I, I never use it. So I had to go buy. I had to go to the store and buy some just for that moment. Uh, so, but but if I were to buy ketchup, I will admit that I think when this first happened, I switched to French's, and apparently this was it was a big misstep for Heinz to leave Canada because oh, it yes. tapped into the sense of patriotism. I seem to recall Greg French's pounced on that. Did they, they not? Did. They were all over it, and so uh, they made some. And roads in uh, in restaurants in particular. Uh, if you go to A&W now, they used to proudly have the Heinz uh, glass ketchup bottle on their little packets of ketchup. And it, now that ketchup <laughs> is now, in, fra- in fact, French's. So uh, they made a, a switch. So if they're making a switch, that's a, that's a big, big deal. So uh, Heinz is coming back to Canada. You can buy their ketchup a little bit more guilt-free now if you want. I will admit that uh, I like the Heinz mayonnaise. I think it's called like really, really good mayo or something. I don't know. I I bought it because I saw the commercial where the mayo (laughs) explodes and I thought, ah, I'm going to try this and... That I do eat, so... Do you I, love the guy who sat in a boardroom somewhere and he's like, you know what we should just call this? Really, really, really good mayo. <laughs> That's his job. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sort of like that. It's no nonsense. Like, oh, it's not just good. It's really good, so I'm going to try it. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. We're going to be talking a lot about music today after Global News at 7 o'clock. We're going to speak to Stacey Natris-Brown about where is the music? How do you keep up spirits in class when singing and musical instruments are not allowed? At 7.45, we're going to speak to Movember Winnipeg, the chair of Movember Winnipeg, who also happens to be a part of the big heist brass band who performed in our studio a while back. So while we're talking Movember, we'll have to ask him about music as well. And in this segment, we want... Well, first of all, we want to use this segment to give you a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. We'll give that away after 9.15 or 9.30. We need you to text us at 204-780-6868. You can answer one of two or both questions. The, two, the questions are, what was the first concert you went to? And which concert would you like to see once that's a thing we can do again? And hopefully it is sooner than later. So let's go around the horn here. Jeff Forte, which concert would you go see first? I would love to go see a little Tool. Tool! Oh, yeah. Their musicianship is great and their shows are really trippy. You know, it'd be a lot of fun. And uh, as we were just talking off air, you're asking me what, what was my first concert. I can't remember. I think it might have been Garth Brooks when I was a kid. Like, 
but I was so young, I barely remember. And I just can't remember the first concert I went to. <laughs> my memory's just going, you know, I went to this concert, this concert, that was a great concert. I just, I can't remember my first one. Well, that Tool, uh, there was supposed to be a show in Winnipeg on in June, I think, on June 4th, of course, that got cancelled. Did you have tickets for that? No, I didn't, but uh, I wish I picked some up. I was also thinking about Rage Against the Machine. They were supposed to come here as well. I think they're rescheduled, actually. Yeah, yeah they'll, 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 be, they'll be here eventually, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, just yeah. you got to wonder what concerts are going to look like when they uh, do resume. Jeff Braun, how about you, sir? Uh, my first concert was Motley Crue back in 1990. It was awesome. It was super loud. I've literally had tinnitus ever since that day. <laughs> uh, like, it's 100% true. They destroyed my hearing, so... Thanks, Motley Crue, for that. I saw them a, a couple more times afterwards, but that time in 1990 was sort of at their peak, and it was uh, it, it's when they sounded best. So. Do you really have and tinnitus? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, well, you can't hear it. Only I can hear it. <laughs> you can't hear it. <laughs> um, and for now, as soon as this thing ends, I think if I could go... Uh, see another concert obviously bruce springsteen's my go-to answer every single time and i know he's itching to get back out on the road so that would be amazing um if and when it, it happens again he's he's no spring chicken anymore if this doesn't end soon he might not make it back on the road fair enough kelly moore how about you sir well, uh, I know Jeff Braun's going to be all over me on this, uh, but I'm glad that uh, Forte also said it. I know the first ever concert I saw was at Kamloops Memorial Arena, and my only memory was that the acoustics robbed the, the group of sounding as good as they could. But uh, I, I'm just drawing a blank on who it was. But it's kind of funny uh, because the other day I was just thinking, man, would it? be spectacular and and i'm not a, a hard rock uh a fan like uh, like forts and and jeff are but uh I, I would just love to see about a a non-stop uh non-stop week of canadian country artists mm -hmm. because there are so many of them that have such deep catalogs that they could all put on great shows mm -hmm. and uh, and it would could, could probably take up a whole week in the summer i to me that would be just absolutely fabulous Canadian country. I know for a week solid. Like, say, would you just like sleep at this okay. venue? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I would say you know if you had it up, uh, you know, somewhere like Dauphin Country Fest or something like that. Uh, you know, it, it all depends on how quickly things get going after this ends, and and we certainly hope that this pandemic will end. But uh, uh, to me, to celebrate, uh, uh, it would be so good to you know Doc Walker and Emerson Drive and Paul Brandt and. Gordy Bamford and Brett Kissel, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, they could put on fabulous shows that would it should certainly at least take up a whole long weekend. Well, Loren, what about you? Well, I, my first concert I think remember going to is Anne Murray. And honestly, I'd have no problem going to see her again. I think I was only six or seven years old, and it was at the Keystone Center in Brandon. I'm picking up on Kelly's vibe very much that when we get when we're able to, I cannot wait for like a really good outdoor concert, like the ones they do at the Forks. And I've seen these guys, I think five or six times before, uh, but I would love to see them again. Hey, hey, I guess it hasn't hit me yet. This crack this, of course, is uh, Blue Rodeo. And yeah, I've seen them in Winnipeg. I've seen them in Toronto. I've seen them. In Afghanistan, actually, when they came to play with the troops, and I wow. was over there, and it was a, the outdoor concert to me is where it's at, under the stars, maybe a little vino tinto in your hands, and uh, having a good time. <laughs> G Mac, what about you? Sounds like Minnedosa. Maybe we could do something out in Minnedosa, classic rock weekend, uh, reinvent that. Now, throwing out barbershop quartet shows and the Irish Rovers, my first concert <laughs> <laughs> was actually in Vancouver, Kelly, at the Pacific uh, Coliseum. In July of 1979, we drove cross-country or halfway across the country to see the Bee Gees when I was 10 
years old, and I will never forget wow. that adventure and that night, that concert. My mom loved the Bee Gees. We were driving home from Winnipeg to Brandon. I had a paper route on Wednesday nights, and I'll make this really short. But she found out Wednesday afternoon that the Bee Gees were going to be playing in Vancouver Saturday night. I had 356 papers to deliver. My brother helped me deliver the papers, and by the time we were done, the car was packed, and we left for Vancouver that night. And we drove from Winnipeg to Calgary, from Calgary to Salmon Arm to where my cousins lived, to Vancouver, and saw the Bee Gees for their Saturday Night Fever tour. That is cool. There are benefits to having a mom with bipolar disorder. She, she she got fixated on this thing, and there was no way we were not going. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are just getting flooded at, with texts at 204-780-6868 on your first concerts and the concerts you would go to if you could do so or when you can do so. So keep those coming in, and we will share some throughout the morning. We'll give away a gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza sometime after 9 o'clock. We want to continue the conversation now on music because for thousands of parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles... There will be something missing on the calendar this year. Of course, guys, is the sound of a good old-fashioned school concert. But right now, not a lot of singing going on in schools. And by the way, if you ever wanted to just have a good laugh and cheer yourself up, YouTube school Christmas concerts because <laughs> it, it yields a ton of fantastic results. Some of them are hilarious. Some of them are so talented. But right now, singing, of course, we know it's it's technically banned in schools in efforts to help prevent the spread of COVID because they don't want mass groups of kids singing and, and potential saliva spreading and all the rest. And that, of course, has us asking the question, well, how are schools keeping the music in schools? And we know lots of teachers are doing the best to keep the joy and the music in our kids' lives, Greg. Yeah, in some way, some form. Stacy Natris Brown is the choral teacher at Garden City Collegiate. You also know her as the anthem singer for the Winnipeg Jets, which means she spends or used to spend a lot of her time singing. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning. Thanks for spending some time with us, and thank you for all the fantastic uh, traffic tips over the years. You, you're a, a loyal listener, so we appreciate that so much. We have to ask you our, our question we're, we're bandying about this morning uh, with our having coffee talking, and now for uh, pizza from Santa Lucia on the text line. What was your first concert? Uh, it's so funny you asked that because we were just it was just brought up to my attention the other day that it, the 30 year anniversary of the new kids on the block concert yes. that was my first concert ever um yeah 1990 winnipeg arena and uh, i was up in the nosebleeds but it was the time of my life when i was um <clears throat> years old <laughs> that's great so uh, did they have the right stuff by the way Oh, they did. With all the choreo to match. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, Stacey, music's such a huge part of your life. How are you doing? Um, thanks for asking. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing fine, um, making the most out of, you know, the situation that we've all been dealt. Um, everyone's had to adapt no matter what area of, of work or life you're in. Um, but yeah, for me, I certainly, everything that, that, gives me, fills my own cup and brings me joy has really changed this year. So, um, yeah, I really miss singing. I'll be honest. It's really hard not to. I just naturally go throughout my day singing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you spend so much of your time singing. And even for the kids, I have to imagine we're talking all the time about making sure they keep their distance and doing all sorts of other things. But kids like to break into song. Uh, you know, at birthdays, kids' birthdays in schools, they'll often sing Happy Birthday. Oh, Canada, you know, might start off the day in some elementary schools. And so what are some of the shifts you've had to make in terms of just what you do in your class or even what you see in and don't hear in school right now, Stacey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you may have heard this before if you've talked to any other teachers, but it is a lot quieter. Um, 
you know, just in general. So students who might normally be breaking out into song, there's something about putting a mask on your face that kind of take, take, puts you in a different mentality. Um, and, and so I would say that it, it's a lot quieter around the school and the kids don't really walk around jumping into or breaking out into song. Um, however, you know, for, for a brief period in our fall, there were, um, we were allowed to sing a little bit. So we could go outside and sing, for example, which is technically still allowed, but it is rather cold. Um, and inside, if you, um, depending on what school division you were in, you could sing with masks on at a great distance from one another if you were in a well-ventilated space. So we did a little bit of that, um, and by a little bit, I mean like 10 or 15 minutes per day. Um, so, it, but it, those moments, in those moments, I saw glimpses of sparkle in those kids' eyes, and it was a bit of a return to normal for them, you know? We are being inundated with text messages of people sharing their memories of their first concerts and who they'd like to see when this pandemic is over. Music is such a gigantic part of our lives, uh, Stacy. Mm-hmm. So maybe just, you know, sometimes music education comes under fire when there are budget cuts in particular in the united states uh, art and music programs seem to get cut and thrown by the wayside some people say schools need to often uh, we need to focus on the four r's what is it about music mm-hmm. that that you say or if you're you know as an advocate for music why is it such a part a powerful part and an important part of our lives mm-hmm um, music is our first instrument. Um, I mean, music and dancing really are, are those things that happened before we had any instruments or tools to make music with. It's just ingrained in us as human beings to make music together. Um, you see it across every culture and part of our world. And in a school, I think it really builds community. Um, and especially in times like these where we, we are separated, we are physically separated from each other. Um, and like at the high school I teach at, uh, half of the school doesn't even know the other half exists right now because they attend on alternate learning days. Um, it creates a sense of community. Um, and so some of the things that, that I've been trying to do to keep that community alive is to have, I have a picture wall of all the kids at the back without their masks on, just so they can remember, like, these kids are also in choir, they come on the opposite day from you, or we have, you know, video meetings together and we sing remotely, um, it's just, I, it makes me sad because I know that things, a lot of people are adapting and making changes, but it is hard to see music sometimes be the first thing that gets removed from a school because um, I do think it's really important and it fills a student's cup as much as it fills the teacher's cup. <laughs> Stacy, we got to get out of here, but before we let you go, do you miss mm-hmm. O Canada? I do. Oh, do I ever. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to be doing that again. And I was thinking about that this morning, that the next time um, I get to sing O Canada at the Jets games, I really hope everyone is singing. And I know they will sing so loud together because how cathartic will that be to all be together again in a space? Stacy Natris Brown, the choral teacher at Garden City Collegiate and, of course, the anthem singer for the Winnipeg Jets. Stacy, thank you so much mm-hmm. for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Yeah, have a great day. McGarry and McNabb, some Aldo Nova fantasy. One of the first concerts texted to us at 204-780-6868. That is a Montreal musician, I believe, Greg. Yes, Aldo Nova. Aldo Nova, Montreal, you betcha. And I think he opened for Streetheart back in the early 80s at the Winnipeg Arena. Yeah, first concert, 1982, our amazing own Kenny Shields and Streetheart and Aldo Nova. I even got a shirt. I was 14 years old. And Andrea says, first concert, NSYNC in 1988 with my mom at the old Winnipeg Arena. I was 10 years old. I remember saving my paper route money to buy the tickets, which cost a whole $25 each for an upper-level seat. Definitely went down in history as one of my favorite concerts. Loved getting to share it with my mom. To this day, we still talk about the concert and them sailing across the crowd. If they did a reunion tour, I'd probably drag my mom along again just for old times' sake. So keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win yourself a Santa Lucia $20 gift card. And we will share your texts throughout the morning.
In the meantime, as local retailers continue to suffer through code red COVID-19 restrictions, some of the largest retailers on the planet remain open, and that is resulting in some eye-opening increases in sales figures. Yeah, yesterday in our business segment with Endeavor Wealth Management, these jaw-dropping numbers, Walmart sales surged 79. That's a 7 in front of a 9 in the third quarter, 79% with online sales jumping higher, and Home Depot also saw their earnings beat estimates with... Sales surging about 24%. As I was digesting those numbers, Loren, I learned that Costco had declared a special dividend of $10 US per share as it continues to benefit from consumers stocking up on essentials due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And it got me thinking back to some of our conversations from Monday in particular about how unlevel the playing field is right now for independent business versus the big box retailers. So that's where we're taking the conversation this morning. And with us is Fong Wan, Professor of Marketing and Ross Johnson Research Fellow at the Asper School of Business at the U of M. And she's graciously agreed, agreed to walk us through this this morning. Good morning. Good morning. So a big question coming out of this is how can an independent business even try to compete with these big national retailers um, who have the big brick and mortar stores open through this entire pandemic? Uh, is there an answer to that? Can they still stay competitive? Oh, my God. Uh, you know, the number, um, I was walking through the numbers yesterday, and and we're talking about even in August, um, a close to 160,000 uh, small business, one out of seven is closing down. And back in August and July, that uh, if you have expense uh, close to $10,000 per month, uh, you're talking about the small business um, has cash uh, um, for less than two weeks. So you can see that, um, unfortunately, this um, pandemic uh, creates the winners that, as you guys were, were talking about earlier, about these uh, big store. Uh, in the small business, independent business, I think they suffer partly because um, the strategy for them to compete pre-pandemic is that they have very uh, niche, unique, um, more luxury items, try to differentiate um, the kind of uh, products from the big uh, retailers. And so now when we have the, um, the COVID pandemic, I think we're setting them the, in the mood of uh, preservation. And we like to stock and uh, we like to hoard. And also we like buy big volumes. And also we like to consolidate our purchase um, uh, in one place with uh, a lot of uh, different types of uh, products. So that's why these um, encyclopedia kind of stores, the big ones for essential service, such as uh, Walmart and, and to a certain extent Ikea, um, and also you talk about Home Depot. And these are those kind of big box um, truly are uh, benefiting from the situation. Uh, Professor, I see that, you know, in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the mm -hmm. strongest independents rely on their personal touch, stellar customer service to grow their market share. And now that advantage has completely disappeared. It's been taken away from them. And we understand why, but what could the government be doing differently to support these businesses as opposed to, say, doing something like helping them pay their rent? Oh boy, that's a, so. First of all, I think that a lot of uh, small businesses, um, the, the 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 heavy hit uh, area, are these uh, hospitality, uh, art and creation, gym, you know, all these things. Um, I, I think when I look at uh, you know the government is trying very hard uh, in terms of you know the relief fund for the uh, PPE, um, talking about uh, subsidy of uh, the wages. Uh, talk about the rent, et cetera. Uh, but I think that is, those kind of funds are important, but it's uh, assuming that, uh, you know, they're open, <laughs> they're operational. And so you provide the funds. And there are a lot of complaints about um, the barriers um, to actually have access to these funds. They have to go through a lot of uh, barriers. The way I look at it is different, is that even though you, you provide these funds and they're open, but the customers are not going. Nobody is uh, shopping. Um, so, so I think it takes um, two sides. From the government side, um, and you look at a big retailer, part of the reason uh, they can function is, is more than they have a product that's available, but also they have this uh, digital infrastructure that, you know, like I can do ordering, online ordering, my products, pages and pages of them are online. Um, and I really think uh, here, the, the level, the, the play, playing field, a lot of them is about that, um, the lack of uh, 
symmetry, you know, the lacking uh, knowledge and uh, expertise and know-how in digitalizing um, their business. And not to say uh, associated with that, the digitalization of the business, it comes with a whole new uh, area of uh, knowledge of really how to effectively use social media, digital media, how do I create an email marketing uh, videos, um, being creative, you know, so, so, and also how do I leverage my, lo- uh, my most loyal customers to become my advocates for small business. So I think these are the knowledge that we badly need knowledge transfer. So government, instead of providing money, I, I think it's very important uh, to provide a know-how and, and to boost that um, uh, the ability for them to, to shift it to digital. And that's how they're not susceptible, um, uh, vulnerable to not opening. There are other ways to deal with it. And that's my very strong opinion of it. And lastly, um, I want to say that uh, I want to give one or two examples, the good ones, is actually from a more private sector uh, or from the education business. One is the Bank of Canada. Um, what's interesting is I look at the Bank of Canada, you know, as a financial institution, um, they provide a lot of a truly important knowledge, like a webinar, um, you know, about how to do business. So this is a part that the financial institution can really help and work and the government can work with these institutions by providing these knowledge. The government cannot do everything. The other example is I want to talk about Asper School that this semester, because of the pandemic, we create a course called the Small Business Consulting and the professor is working with students to provide free pro bono consulting advice for 12 companies, local small business in uh, many, Manitoba. And all of them and all our students are working on, with no exception, is about the social media marketing, is about the Google Analytics, is about how to digitalize their business so that they can be, I'm not saying spared, but they can suffer less uh, from the situation. We only have about 90 seconds. We have two questions we still want to ask you, so I'll just quickly ask you this one first. We do have some local companies thriving over the past several months, like home improvements, swimming pool installations, real estate sales, booming why are we seeing this um i call it a mortality salience a mortality salience is a psychology psychology term is that is the threat that we feel um we actually do want to indulge in spending you know if we if we die what other things are important to us of course the, the home, the, the place, we stay so much. Um, so there's so much of this uh, expenditure in this domain. There's also room for investment, too, I think, uh, in colleges and universities to help some of the industries fill the gap. And after nine, we're going to talk to Red River College, Wong, about uh, MyTAC, which I hadn't really been familiar with that firm. Can you just quickly tell us what that is? Yeah, and yeah. What we can- so actually, it's a, thank you so much for bringing it up. And I've worked with MyTAC uh, for a while. It is a very nice, uh, it's a government. It is a nonprofit trying to um, bridge the, the connection between the academic and also the local business uh, so that the, the university side provide the know-how and uh, the business side um, uh, can really benefit from the knowledge and helping them solve problems. So MyTech is, uh, in a, it, it exists pre-COVID, um, but I think uh, the MyTech can have different modifications to ease out the approval process. Um, but actually, that's a very good prototype for this kind of support that I was talking about from the government side. Fong Wan, Professor of Marketing and Ross Johnson Research Fellow at the Asper School of Business at the University of Manitoba. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, listen to this text message from Glenn at 204-780-6868 on the subject of concerts. Dating myself, but first concert and best, Queen with frontman Freddie Mercury at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. 1977 News of the World Tour opened the show with We Will Rock You. Brand new song from that new album. Did not realize at the time the rock and roll history I was seeing. Can you imagine? I can't. I can't. Just listening to this song live gets me fired up. I couldn't imagine of seeing them live at Maple Leaf. Oh, my word. Heart Your voice has a whole extra range oh, to it that no. I wasn't aware of. Woo! <laughs> 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 All right, I got to settle down. I just love this. Is my favorite Queen song, too. Same here. Now, your buddy Reed texted you as well. Yeah, he said, my first concert was Scorpions with Iron Maiden opening. 16 teenagers left Southdale on the bus to the concert. 12 (laughs) made it safely inside. Six of us made it through the entire concert and home together. The others eventually turned up safe and sound. One of my fondest memories.
That is great. So keep those coming. 204-780-6868 for your chance to win. Santa Lucia $20 gift card. Either your first concert or which concert would you like to see when we can do that again or answer both questions. Feel free. 204-780-6868. Now, Loren, other than dealing with uh, me and Greg, uh, <laughs> what is the, the hardest part of your day? Uh, you might be hearing it right now because it's happening right now. It's the hour for so many parents where you're rushing the kids off to school and making sure you remember that list of stuff, which we were saying this morning might be keys, uh, phone, mask, water bottle, homework, whatever you have to do to get things going. And I used to actually joke that whatever happened after 8.30 didn't matter because I had just completed the most challenging, sweatiest part of my day sometimes, Greg. Well, for about 2,000 families in the Winnipeg School Division, getting the kids to school has come with an extra challenge because that's what we all need right now. Why? Because the buses aren't running. School bus drivers in that division went on strike more than two months ago. Brent Johnson is making the run to school as he speaks with us with both of his kids. Good morning, Brent. Good morning. So your kids normally, uh, and is there anything uh, normal anymore, but you've got an extra step of uh, unnormal right now. Your yeah. kids would normally be on the bus uh, at this time in the morning. Yes, they would. Normally they'd be on the bus, and then, of course, the bus would uh, pick them up at the end of the school day and uh, take them to daycare for the rest of the day, and that hasn't been happening at all this fall, we are two and a half months into the school year. That's a quarter of the school year has gone by already. How have you had to change your schedule? Well, the morning is not so bad. Uh, we all just leave the, leave the house at the same time. I drive the kids to school and then uh, I head off to work. I'm back working from home these days, so that's even a little easier uh, than when I'm commuting to downtown. What is much more challenging for me, uh, and I'm sure for a lot of families, is uh, picking up at the end of the school day. Uh, my boys' school is an early start, early finish school, uh, so they, the, you know, the bell rings at 2.50 in the afternoon. And I found uh, earlier this fall when I was commuting from downtown that I had to be walking away from my desk at about 20 after 2 in the afternoon so that I wouldn't be the last parent uh, picking them up, which, of course, nobody wants uh, to have happen. So that's pretty disruptive, my work day. I was going to say, Brent, of course, and that's being in a position where you're lucky enough, but you can leave your job, right? A lot of people might have shift work or other where they don't, they're not able to, to go. They might be uh, working in hospitals or other places where you can't just walk away and say, I have to go pick up the kids. So what have you heard from other parents or friends of your kids in terms of the challenges this has added to their life? Exactly. You know, you really hit it on the head. Um, I'm really fortunate that I have a pretty flexible work situation right now. Um, but a lot of other parents, as you say, don't. Shift work um, makes it very difficult. Families who only have one car and, and you know, have re really had a hard time managing the driving at both ends of the day. So I've heard of families in our school community who've had to purchase a second car. And you can imagine that a, a big expense like that at a time like this is very, very challenging and totally unnecessary. Um, and, uh, you know, particularly in light of the pandemic, I mean, everybody's under so much additional stress right now. And we can't rely as parents and as families on the usual support networks that we could of aunts, uncles, grandparents to help with the driving because we're not supposed to have social contact with them right now. So it really leaves parents in a really tough spot. Brent, you highlight so many incredible things. You've told your story very well. Do I dare ask you, on which side of this do your sympathies lie? Well, <laughs> I think I think my I think my sympathies are pretty clear. I mean, obviously, my kids come first, and and we'll do what we need to do to uh, you know get them to school because I feel that's really really important for them, particularly after having missed out uh, you know on in person instruction last spring um but really I, I i point fingers at complete inaction by the school the board of trustees and the senior admin at the school division the last communication we received from them on this subject was at the uh, towards the end of september that was almost two months ago uh and so a lack of communication to me speaks to a direct lack of inact or a complete lack of inaction uh lack of action um and beyond that, there's political interference at play. And we're seeing that happen right now with the University of Manitoba Faculty Association. Um, you know, the, the government continues to champion their failed Bill 28. It's been shot down in provincial courts. 
but of course they're promising to appeal and they're continuing to use uh, that as a tactic to pressure uh, collective bargaining processes all over our province. Brent Johnson joining us live on 680 CJOB. He is a parent in Winnipeg School Division, which has not had school buses uh, since the beginning of the school year. Brent, thank you so much for the time. We very much appreciate this. Thank you. Have a great day. McGarry and McNabb, listen to this text from Colorado Phil at 204-780-6868 on the subject of concerts. First concerts, he says. My first concert I went to with my friends. We were in junior high back in the 80s. The concert was Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith Tour or something along those lines. The concert was awesome. Our ears rang all of the next day. We were also, in turn, called to the school counselor's office. We were all sporting our Judas Priest tour shirts. The school counselor was a nun, Sister Helen. (laughs) She expressed her disappointment in myself and two of my cousins for going to such a bad concert. She told us she'd hoped we would be becoming priests, but that we were definitely on the wrong track. Great memories. <laughs> oh, wow. That Defenders of the Faith uh, concert was incredible. They had the giant machine behind the stage. It had a giant arm that came down. Oh, KK and Glenn rocking. Oh, what a great show that was. <laughs> Thanks, Colorado Phil. That is great. So keep those texts coming. 204-780-6868 for your chance to win. That's Santa Lucia Pizza gift card and I guess we should ask our next guest here because it's Wednesday just after 8.30 our weekly Wednesday visit with Hal Anderson Mr. Anderson, good morning to you sir Good morning Brett, good morning Triple M nice to be with you again uh, My, I can't tell you because I can't recall my first concert because I think most times when you're asked about your first concert you think your first big concert right? I've been to bar shows and stuff you know uh, but my first, I'm uh, so I don't recall what my first concert was, my first big concert. But I kn- I do know what it was supposed to be. There's oh. a little story. I remember my buddy Brent Morris and I. We were heading into Lethbridge to see Burton Cummings in concert, and on our way in, it was a late cancel or postponement. And so we were supposed to see Burton Cummings. That would have been because I grew up in Southern Alberta, Picture Butte, very near Lethbridge, small little you know community. So we didn't get a lot of big shows. But I remember being excited about Burton, and then at the last minute, the show either got canceled or postponed. And um, if it did get po- postponed, I I didn't make it to it. And and I can't recall my first concert. But I'll tell you what, working in rock and roll over the years, and I haven't heard uh, Greg Mackling wound up. Uh, he's he's wound up like a a two dollar watch this morning. <laughs> Uh, Did he hear about, squeal? <laughs> I heard the squeal. My dog heard that squeal. Are you kidding me? <laughs> sorry, yes. sorry, That's okay. I sorry, love it. You're, you're you're excited. I love it. Uh, but um, yeah, so it's but I it, working in rock radio for many years. I had chance. Not did I just go to many great shows. I got to bring on great bands, right? And you mentioned Classic Rock Weekend out in Minnedosa, uh, Greg, earlier. And, I mean, I remember bringing on Eddie Money. And, I mean, it's just crazy some of the people you've met and brought on. So, yeah, those years in rock radio were, were fantastic. So what you got coming up today, Hal? What day is it today? You've always got a day oh, for something. damn it. I knew you were going to ask me that, too. <laughs> okay. uh, and I, it was nothing interesting okay. today. Wow. Nothing interesting well. today. Yesterday was farm joke day, though. And, man, did we get some, <laughs> did we get some great farm oh, jokes boy. late in the show yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Was we Kluche, Was Kluche trying to tell one and you wouldn't yes. let him complete <laughs> well, it? Well, because I knew the joke he was trying to tell. He was. It would have cost us our license, to be quite honest that with you. That bad? We would not have been... We would not have been broadcasting anymore. Now I need to know what this joke is, so I'll be asking you off air. Uh, Can I start with... Go ahead, Lauren. Oh, I just wanted to know, what did the mama cow say to the baby cow? Mm, I don't know. It's past your bedtime. (laughs) That was one of the ones that I got. Oh, you did. But I wanted to let you deliver them. Oh, I'm sad that I missed this whole farm day joke thing, so I wanted to get in on it. 
it's funny because that joke sucked yesterday and it sucks even more this morning. So uh, thanks for sharing it. This I'm just the BB kidding. To Lorenzo. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Can I give you guys some celebrity news? Can we start with a bit of celebrity news? Sure. I love Dolly Parton. I don't know why. She just seems like such a genuine, you know, person. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton kicked in a million dollars for this new Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. Did you what? guys hear this? Yeah. She did? She did. She was in a car crash. She met a doctor at Vanderbilt Institute, and this doctor friend of hers said, man, we're doing some crazy stuff with this COVID-19 vaccine. She kicked in a million bucks. So Dolly Parton <laughs> Dolly Parton helped develop uh, one of these two incredible vaccines uh, that are on the horizon. So good for Dolly Parton. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, anybody can stand up to Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis's yeah. manager, and tell him where to go when Elvis wanted one of her songs for free. Uh, right. You know she's got uh, she's got a little bit of stamina. She's she's a tough uh, tough lady. That is an incredible. Thanks for sharing that. I had no idea yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Conan O'Brien, other celebrity news. Conan O'Brien is packing it in. He'll go till June of next year, uh, but that'll be it for him. He's going to be doing a new weekly variety show on HBO Max. And in making the announcement, a great quote here from Conan O'Brien. He's actually one of my favorites. Like, we don't, uh, you know, he's not on, he's on TBS, not one of the big networks. Of course, he was at one time. And, but I love this quote. When asked about the, the move, uh, he says, In 1993, Johnny Carson gave me the best advice of my career. As soon as possible, get to a streaming platform. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was just fantastic. So, And then he goes on to say, I'm thrilled that I get to continue doing whatever the hell it is I do on HBO Max, and I look forward to a free subscription. Well, they uh, HBO Max is really pouring it on. They've got that uh, Zack Snyder yeah. cut of Justice League coming next year. They're talking about maybe shifting Wonder Woman 1984 to mm. HBO Max, so they are trying to get in on this game real hard. So that's a good move for them and a good move, I think, for Conan. Yeah, you know, it probably lightens the load a little bit, right? Doing a weekly show as opposed to doing, uh, to doing a nightly show. I don't know, and he's he's fifty seven, so hasn't, you know that's my age, and I, I'm certainly thinking, man, I got to start slowing down at some point. Yeah, and it hasn't hurt John Oliver at all, right? right. John Oliver does basically thirty minutes of TV a week, and a week, and his brand's never been stronger. Mm-hmm. Are you guys doing any hobbies that you've developed during the pandemic? No. Anybody? No. No. Eating more. Well, yes. I yeah. just said to somebody yesterday, I said, man, I am way too close to the fridge. Like, it's just sad. But um, Keith Richards, guess what he's taken up during the pandemic? Basket weaving. No. Almost almost that good or bad, depending on how you look at it. He has begun gardening. Um, yes. He says, he's, I got into gardening this summer because I've never seen the damn things grow before. I've always been on the road that time of the year. Uh, astoundingly, I've just been watering my vegetables and finding some sort of routine there. Watching the damn things grow is just the most amazing thing, and then I eat them. Now, question. I wonder if he's talking about edibles. What the hell is he growing? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, Hal. You know? Yes, yeah. sir. Hey, and uh, Greg, big Twitter guy, I don't know if you heard the news. I'm sure you did. Twitter um, is rolling out a new feature called Fleets. Have you heard about this? Yes, I'm enraged by this. Yeah, I said, to, I said to Brett, I'm doing everything in my power not to try fleeting. And what's the deal? They, it disappears, right? It's tweets that disappear? Yes. Why? Fleets, fleeting uh, tweets. Right. Very good, Loren. Yes, they disappear after 24 hours. Um, I kind of like that idea, to be honest with you. Um, but I but I understand why you might not like it. And they're also, this was less publicized, but Twitter Twitter is also at looking at, they haven't done it yet, they're looking at adding a dislike button or mm. some kind of downvoting. And I think that's a great idea because how many times have you seen something? You can't like it, right? But you want to weigh in and you don't want to type anything. So I kind of like the idea of a of a dislike button. Yeah, that's what Twitter needs, more anger, more disagreement. <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, a good point. I honestly was just thinking this morning, I get that there's so much going on, but like it feels like like 
even with the simplest fun questions that you might ask yeah. on Twitter, it's just someone's always mad. And so yeah. I don't know, the dislike button, like I mm. weigh in with your comment if you want to, mm. but I just feel like this, there's too much negativity right now. Yeah. And I got to, I know we're out of time, but I got to give you one more quick one here. Uh, you were talking about the nun uh, story that, that was really uh, funny to listen to. Did you hear about Pope Francis? And and I like Pope Francis. He has said and done some things that I don't think anybody expected a pope to do. So I kind of like the guy. But he's in a bit of trouble because he got caught on Instagram, his account anyhow, liking a model's raunchy photo. Did you hear about this? No. no. This isn't like the beginning of a joke of some no, sort. Did you this, hear about no, the pope? No? Okay. No. Instagram model Natalia Garaboto is leaning against lockers in a skimpy schoolgirl and suspenders outfit, which leaves her derriere exposed. It has over 125,000 likes, including Pope Francis. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Who's operating that social media account? (laughs) Some intern at the Vatican, obviously. (laughs) Former intern at the Vatican, I suspect. Right. (laughs) Guys, have a great day. Al Anderson Afternoons. He's on weekdays 1 to 4. He will be your next chance to qualify for the total flooring makeover. $5,000 prize. We're giving that away on Monday, November 30th. A couple of things. Just that this particular thing that he was just talking about reminds me when I started doing Instagram stuff on the CJOB account. I don't know who was managing it before. Uh, there was a guy who used to work in our promotions department. I suspect it was him. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> because there were all kinds of unsavory accounts that were being followed by 680 CJOB. <laughs> and I finally just had to ask, I think, our, the, our promotions manager, can I delete all of this stuff? Because we shouldn't be following this crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was funny. And uh, the second thing, the, the Twitter... Fleets, it's basically the the Instagram story, the Facebook story function. And the reason why I'm enraged by it, I think, is just because I thought, oh, my gosh, am I going to have to start doing this now at work, too? Because I already do the Instagram story, which goes to the Facebook story. I try to throw up the question of the day on Twitter at 680CJOB, and it is there, by the way. Uh, But uh, my question was simply, why Twitter? Why? LinkedIn also has a story feature. Can you believe that? Come on. Like, seriously, and quit copying one another. Get up. Come up with your own idea. Get your own sandwich, for goodness sake. Hey, I have a question I'm going to answer for you on the other side of this. Okay. How much do you think it costs to bring Sonny and Cher to Winnipeg in 1968? I have a copy of their contract on my phone right now. What? (laughs) I have so many questions. And on the subject of music, Greg, what's the story on Sonny and Cher? So I posted asking for your first concerts on Twitter, and David answered, said, February 25th, 1968, Sonny and Cher show at the old Winnipeg Auditorium. Then years later, I got a hold of the original contract. The tickets cost 5 4 and $3, and, it, and Sonny and Cher earned $11,400 back in 1968 for their concert here in Winnipeg. $11,000? That's correct, sir. <laughs> You'd think today would be like... 100000 Yeah. 200000 What would it cost to bring Bruce Springsteen here? Oh, boy. $600 million. $1,000,000 wouldn't be unreasonable. He'd get it. And whoever brought him would make that back and then some. Oh, for sure, for sure. So we're going to give away that San Lucia gift card. After 9.30 on your favorite concerts. We got just hammered with text messages at 204-780-6868, and that's a good thing, and we thank you for participating. Uh, we had a real home run today with the con- the question, what was your favorite or your first concert, and which concert would you go to? Once we can do that again, and we had a hard time making our selection, we will reveal the winning text in a moment, but we do have a number of great runners-up, such as uh, Corey, which is the reason why we were playing some GNR Live and Let Die, Greg. Yeah, this uh, concert uh, was the Use Your Illusion Tour. Corey says that was his first concert. He was 13. Him and his friend got row 26 center. The show started, and my friend started to rock it out. Then a worker at the concert talked to him and went away. I then said, hey, should I start rocking it out? 
Then the guy came back and talked to my buddy. I couldn't hear them, but they started walking away, and my buddy told me to follow. I thought, oh, boy, he got us in trouble. He then took us up to the VIP section to the left of the stage, front row. We got there for the second song, and they left us there for the whole concert. Nice. At the end of the concert, Axel Rose threw roses and I caught one. It was such a cool concert. And if memory serves me, uh, Guns N' Roses did not go on stage till about 11 or 11.30 at night. And nobody got home until about 3 in the morning from uh, the Use Your Illusions Tour concert at Winnipeg Arena. Great story, Corey. Well done, sir. And Loren, Sandy also caught our attention. Yeah, I love this story and the picture she paints. Sandy wrote to say, my first concert was in grade 10. I went to see Pat Benatar in Toronto. We got someone to buy us a bottle of strawberry angel wine and drank it in the Zeller's washroom (laughs) before hopping a bus to go to the concert. Paint on jeans and an amazing concert. What your daddy don't know, she writes. And then she goes on to add that she'd love to share again as she was there when she canceled the last time. So um, great memory. I love the image of that <laughs> strawberry angel wine. Can you still get that wine? No, but you should be. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, what, 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 what country would you find that in? <laughs> Wasn't it made in, like, made in the same factories? They made Gimli Goose and Baby Duck and all those yeah. fantastic $1 a bottle wines? I don't know, but it shows up on a site that of eight drinks, only people who grew up in the 80s will understand. (laughs) There it is. Uh, Heather says, first concert was Journey at the old Winnipeg Arena. My brother gave me a ticket for my 15th birthday. I knew their music, but had no idea what to expect. It was an experience I will never forget, and I was hooked to this day. I go to every concert I can. We've traveled to Montreal to see Phil Collins two years ago. The Police reunion tour. I've seen Don Henley under the stars at an amphitheater in California in the 1980s. Drove to Minot with my best friend to see Glass Tiger in the 80s. Four years ago, we saw Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden in New York. Didn't Keith, our old colleague Keith McCullough go to that concert? Well, you know what? I was searching for the audio. I have audio of Keith McCullough singing at that Billy Joel concert at Madison Square Garden, and I couldn't get my hands on it <laughs> for this morning. But yes, uh, him and a bunch of uh, uh, friends that we have in common, they drove Yeah, straight- Sean the Angus Beefcake. Yeah, they drove straight across country to New York, saw the concert, and basically turned around and came home. That's right. And uh, Heather goes on to say, I took my niece to her first concert last year. She was seven. We took her to Fargo to see Pink. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Garth Brooks again. Heather adds, thank you for bringing this subject up. It has reminded me of the many good times and how music can lift the spirits. I needed this uplift today. And uh, speaking of, uh, here's another emotional text, Greg, uh, from Lori. Why don't you read what Lori had to say? Oh, you're going to make me read this one. Okay. My first concert was with my mom when I was six. That was in 1980. Went to see the Bay City Rollers in Toronto. How about that? She also took me to see the Oak Ridge Boys Miami Sound Machine with Gloria Estefan. Did I say that right? Estefan? Estefan? Estefan. Yep. And many uh, young and restless. Yes! Young and restless. appearances. Michael Damien. Rock on. Michael Damien was my favorite back then at Canada's Wonderland, among others. Now as an adult, my favorite concert was... Sarah McLaughlin in 2008 when I met her backstage at MTS Center here in Winnipeg. It was the most amazing experience in my life. She wore the earrings and necklace I made her during the concert. You can see that picture in the walkway at MTS Center upstairs. I continue to see her anytime she comes back. I miss her so much. She also teaches music to kids. I feel so bad for them missing it due to COVID-19. And uh, Greg, I like how you caught the uh, the Rock On reference. <laughs> Just, uh, oh, here it is. Michael Damien, Rock On. Yes. From 1989, the remake of that particular song. Oh, oh, Danny. oh look at the hair. Okay. Anyway. Danny well, Romolotti. Danny Romolotti. That was his one hit wonder or whatever it was. And there was another, what was the other guy who was on Young and the Restless? Rick Springfield. No, yeah. There's also the guy oh. who played... And he, was in, he wasn't in 98 Degrees, but he had a boy band. He had some sort of Young band. and the Restless, Nick. Joshua, yeah. Joshua Morrow. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, what Look was there? Three Deep. Famous. Three Deep was Three the name deep. of the band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. They were Awful. terrible. They Awful. were bad. Yeah, they had... It's worse that you guys know the names, though. Oh, I loved the boy bands in the 90s. I loved all of the boy bands. <laughs> you know what's horrifying, though, is Josh Morrow, or Nick, 
uh, on uh, Young and Restless. Better looking now than he was 30 years ago. Ah, curse him. But this is the winner. And in case you missed this, at 8.07, instead of us just reading the text again, I'll just play what happened because what happened was spectacular. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, listen to this text message from Glenn at 204-780-6868 on the subject of concerts. Dating myself, but first concert and best, Queen with frontman Freddie Mercury at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, 1977, News of the World Tour. Open the show with We Will Rock You. Brand new song from that new album. Did not realize at the time the rock and roll history I was seeing. Can you imagine? I can't. I can't. (laughs) Just listening to this song live gets me fired up. I couldn't imagine of seeing them live at Maple Leaf. Oh, my word. Heart Your voice has a whole extra range to it that I wasn't aware of. (laughs) Woo! All right, I got to settle down. (laughs) And Glenn goes on to say, saw them in 1977 and again in 1978. And he's still got the ticket stub from uh, November 21st. Cost a whole $8 to see them. Yeah, that uh, 73 cents tax. That'll kill (laughs) you. So, Glenn, congratulations. A great story. And uh, you you brought out such a great, honest reaction from Greg Mackling. I can't tell if we picked Glenn because of the story or because of the squeal, but either way, good stuff. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.